Hey everyone, excited for this week's episode with some new friends at Stripe, Krithika and Tanya. They are awesome and they shared a bunch of insights into the Stripe team and what marketing has looked like as they have grown. Really interesting chat. I think you're going to love it. This podcast is getting close to 7,000 downloads all time, which is nuts. So thank you for tuning in each month. More and more of you tune in. And it's just incredible. I just really, really appreciate you, whether it's your first time listening or you tune in every week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I get LinkedIn messages every week from folks who love the pod, and it just gives me a ton of energy to make things better and to keep making every episode awesome. Last week, Carolina messaged me and said, sometimes she'll purposely drive slower during her commute just so she can finish episodes of the Product Marketing Experts. She's making her commute longer just to tune in. It's amazing. Thank you, Carolina. This podcast is a partnership with ShareBird. ShareBird.com is a peer mentoring platform. It's the place to discover on-demand resources to help you with product marketing. There are great resources and also a job board on the site, so definitely check it out if you haven't. If you have any feedback on the podcast in general, specific episodes, things you like, things you want to hear, feedback, comments, anything else, please email podcasts at sharebird.com or connect with me on LinkedIn and shoot me a DM. We would love to hear from you. Shout out to our sponsor, Crayon. If you aren't familiar with it, Crayon is an awesome tool for PMMs. Crayon analyzes market trends for you, makes acting on insights easy. This means dynamically updated sales battle cards, alerts, dashboards, and much more. Crayon is a great tool for marketers looking to maintain differentiated messaging, improve sales win rates, catch important updates from competitors, and much, much more. Check them out at crayon.co. All right, let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Experts brought to you by ShareBird. I'm your host, Marcus Andrews, and today we're going to dive deep into product marketing in difficult categories. People often ask me what it's like working at HubSpot. I lead the product marketing for our marketing product line, and I say it's great because I'm a marketer who is marketing marketing tools to marketers. I'm sort of an expert on the persona by default. My product team is always interested in my opinion because I am their user and a customer, and this is super, super nice for me, but I have a hard time answering questions from people who work in a more regulated industry or who have a persona who is harder to reach. Maybe that persona doesn't like to read or is a little bit allergic to marketing. So I really wanted to dig into this topic and educate myself and learn a little bit more. I think what's super exciting about this problem is that if you can get product market fit and connect in an industry where marketing is harder and the persona is harder to reach, uh, if you're able to reach and influence people in operations or development or the government or any of these uh, industries really, you can grow a really big successful business. Those areas are truly harder for product marketers, but if you figure it out, it can be super valuable, not just for your company, but for you. There are a lot of PMMs who understand MarTech and have MarTech experience, but very few who know how to 
connect and reach developers, for instance. A great example of this is Stripe. So Stripe is payments infrastructure technology. It's a complicated product used by technical teams. It may not seem like it really lends itself to marketing, but they have built an awesome brand. They do great product marketing. They really truly understand their persona and how to connect with them. And they've grown like crazy. Stripe is a private company valued somewhere in around $35 billion today. So I'm super excited to unpack this idea and really chat with two folks today on the Stripe marketing team, Krithika Muthkumar and Tanya Hakbas. Uh, Krithika was the first marketer at Stripe. She's been there around seven years. She was the only marketer there for three years, which is uh, fascinating. And then Tanya runs product marketing and she joined Stripe right as they were really scaling up. So super interested to learn from her about how that scaling a product marketing team went at a company that's as high growth as Stripe. I'm really hoping to understand from them exactly how they were able to kind of connect with their audience and what it's been like scaling product marketing through this hyper growth. Krithika and Tanya, how's it going? Hey, Marcus, thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. I feel like we're off to a bang. This is the first time that I've had two guests at once and we've already talked over each other once. So uh, (laughs) hopefully it can only go up from here, but uh, no, thank you both for coming on. Super, super excited to chat. Uh, so Krithika, let's start, let's start with you. You've been at Stripe for seven years. Just what is Stripe all about? Like, and, and how are things going? I'm super curious to just hear that from your perspective, having been there for, for so long. It's been a fantastic experience that's come along with a spectrum of fun challenges as we've scaled and grown. So at its core, Stripe is building economic infrastructure for the internet. We offer a core suite of products that help businesses of all sizes and a variety of business models except payments. And then on top of that, we also have a bunch of add-on products that help you scale your operations or manage them more efficiently if you're already operating at scale. And so that's Stripe in a nutshell. Yeah, you very succinctly described, I think, a pretty complicated product that most people may struggle a little bit to understand. How do you go about that? You know, like, when you're thinking about how to understand Stripe and communicate it uh, to a more layman audience or someone like me who may not know that much about it, like how do you approach that problem? Well, I'll say it's an iterative process at best because I can assure you that we didn't have it so succinct um, when we first started off. It's a pretty nuanced story to tell. And I think one of the things that Stripe really values is talking to our users. And so with the marketing function and PMM more specifically, We spend a lot of time actually talking directly to our customers and testing and almost beta testing our marketing with them to make sure it's resonating and that it's differentiated in the market. So yeah, you're right. Like at its core, it's infrastructure. It's not just software. And so what that often entails is a bit more of a a time dilation when it comes to seeing the true nature and impact of your product on the market and, you know, by corollary, the marketing as well. Yeah, makes sense. So I mean, you've been there for seven years, so I'm sure you've had a lot of time to like absorb the product and really understand the problem. And I think talking to customers makes a lot of sense, but how do you educate yourself on the product? Was it a leap to get over like the technical nature of it? Or is it just something you just kind of had to learn and figure out? I have a a kind of a different background than most marketers. I actually started off my career as a front-end developer and then made the switch into marketing. So in some ways that intersection and nexus of a technical product and communicating with our customers has been my sweet spot for for quite some time. With, I would say the other product marketers on the team, absolutely, there is like a huge domain expertise that you need to build up over time, but there's a lot of immediate impact that you can have just bringing in 
the discipline of product marketing, you know, breaking down and getting close to the product, getting close to the customers and being the voice of the customer back to the company and building out that messaging and positioning over time. So I think it's a combination of building relationships with your product managers, with your engineers, really trying to unpack what it is that we're building. But one of the nice things about working in a B2B space is that you can also just ask your customers what they really want from the product. You're not sort of A-B testing your way to product market fit. You're oftentimes working off of a huge backlog of features that your customers have been demanding for, from you for some time. And so directly from the customers, you can also understand what is the value? What is the difficulty? What are the challenges that they're facing in their day-to-day? And how this product fills the gap or changes their workflow. And so that process of even just taking a snapshot of the market and bringing that back to the product team can be a great input into your positioning and messaging strategy as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think uh, a lot of that sounds familiar. You know, I don't think it, it changes necessarily too much really being in touch with your product team and your customers and your market and using your customers as sort of a a lens and a sounding board to understand it makes a lot of sense to me. You're exactly right. I think the only thing that I'll add about the technical nature of the product is that you do want to make sure that you are using language and wording that's going to resonate with that audience. And so the nice thing about working in tech is that your engineers who work within your company are great beta testers for some of that messaging to make sure you're not Mm -hmm. saying anything that's going to sound silly when it reaches a customer themselves. Yeah, that's such a good point. It's sort of like opposite for me. I was saying in the upfront that it's, you know, I'm a marketer marketing to marketers. I think the the benefit you have is that your the product teams that you're working with are your target persona. So checking in with them and, and making sure you understand them and using them sort of as a sounding board or for research makes a lot of sense. 100%. Awesome. So it sounds like, you know, I think at some of these companies where that are more, maybe are more technical in nature or just maybe start off in an industry, they're a little trickier in that they're regulated. Marketing doesn't come as naturally. Like HubSpot is a marketing company. We were built on marketing. We've always cared deeply about marketing, maybe at a fault at times. But with Stripe, has Stripe, Stripe now has clearly a very healthy brand. It, you know, it seems like you really, really care about product marketing. You've got a good team. Has that always been the case? Like, what is the history of marketing at Stray? So I think it's a misnomer that developers hate marketing. And I think they just hate bad marketing. And so often the onus in the marketing team is to be much more straightforward in your messaging and to just get to the, the crux of what the details of the feature are and how it's going to benefit the audience. The other misnomer in the market for us is that Stripe doesn't really do much marketing, but I would say I wasn't even really the first marketer. Our founders had built a lot of the goodwill with our developer audience because they were building for folks just like them. And so they spent a lot of time gaining that trust of the audience with the product that they've built. And we've continued to hold a very high bar for the product and the marketing that goes out the door. Yeah. I love your first point. I think that is something that I hear a lot too, that, you know, developers are allergic to marketing. And I think maybe it's more so that they're just allergic to being sold to in like a, you know, like a traditional sense that feels a little bit like you're trying to trick them into believing something. Do you have more of those, those tips? I may be jumping ahead here, but I mean, you know, being straightforward in the delivery of your marketing. One thing I hear a lot with developers is like using uh, data to connect with them. I think data is usually pretty free of spin for lack of a better word. But is there any other tips like that that you've seen really help you connect with that developer audience? 
So I'll just jump in here. I think yeah. that statement that data is free of spin is actually just not true. It's a number, right? But a denominator, how you measured it, how you gather the data, that's what, that's ultimately. And so I actually think the very classic enterprise playbook would be to say, you know, you get X percent ROI improvement. That actually can be very much uh, suspicion inducing. I think data is important. And I think proof and, and kind of feature and, and, and kind of actual tactical things that are true and specs are important but I, i'd say i'd say just just data plain data in itself is not is not sufficient i'd also add a couple of things i think critics really hit the nail on the head with with a lot of the things that she said here but i think it's plain straightforward language and it's very specific language i think one of the challenges with enterprise marketing is that the words that are being used across all of these products are literally the same. So you go on a homepage and you still don't understand after digging through, sometimes I'm like, no, but I'm on their products pages. I'm on their solutions pages. I still don't understand literally what do you make? Like, what is this product? And I think that is something that, you know, we talk about synergizing, optimizing revenue, you know, uh, mm-hmm. for the cloud computing economy, whatever. And a bunch of word mumbo jumbo that's not specific because I think, honestly, sometimes people don't actually understand the core of what's happening. The folks marketing it don't actually understand the crux of what the product is and what problem it's solving. So I think with developer marketing, I think it's just the same as just human marketing because developers are humans. Um, It's just being straightforward, plain spoken, and everyone appreciates it. Business decision makers appreciate it too. When you just say literally, what does the thing do? Using data appropriately, using measurable things appropriately, talking about the types of customers and how they use it and not being disingenuous. I think a lot of people love to put big logos on their websites and the customer might not even really use that product. And so I think having an authenticity in what you put out there and an integrity in what you're putting out there is really important as well. Critics, other things you'd add? Couldn't agree more. And, and, you know, some of these companies, you could swap out the logo and have that same messaging and you might not even notice. So the only other aspect that I would add is your customers are looking to you to position how you're differentiated at the market and how you are doing things differently and what your approach entails. So I think it, is very much talking about what the product does, but also how it's different and how it's going to help you. So yeah, I I agree that the developers are just humans and definitely a lot of the other business decision makers that Stripe serves are appreciating that too. Yeah. Yeah, I think also just right now, I think there's a real hunger for marketing that is straightforward because to your point, Tanya, I think that is an epidemic in the software industry to look around and see all the different mumbo jumbo on product pages. And I think people are really hungry to just understand better like what it is that you do to your point and not to be misled or not to be confused because um, nobody has time for that. So a, to- a ton of really, really interesting points in there. One one question for you while we're here on developers is I think something that we think is true is sort of that, you know, like developers really want also want to sort of try before they buy and they are just an audience that kind of wants to get into tools and like, you know, uh, play around with things. Is that something that you've seen work or something that you build into your marketing and kind of approach of the product at all? It's one of the things that really made Stripe stand apart is that we had, you know, now it's commonplace, but we had a test mode in our API so that you could actually integrate the functionality and see it in action without ever paying for it or you know, deploying that to production. That's pretty common in terms of best practice across APIs, but Stripe was one of the first to do it. 
We've applied that over time to all of our software products as well. And so with things like Stripe Radar, we do offer free trials for you to be able to see it in action, how this product might impact your company. Yeah. I think, and I think that sort of, that, that's good marketing too, you know, because I think at the end of the day, like you have to, you have to product marketing, especially you have to, you can, you just have to stand on the strength of your product, right? If you have a bad product, it's really hard to do good product marketing. So I think um, kind of leaning on that and pushing people into the product experience, it makes sense why it would work for developers. And it's good to know that it's worked at Stripe long-term. I mean, you guys are at a massive scale now. I, mean, I am curious about like, what were some of the challenges in the early days? Kritika, what were you working on as the solo marketer by yourself for three years? I feel like my time at Stripe can be cut up into a few chapters. You know, when I joined, it was just 60 people and all we had was the homepage and documentation. Hmm. And one of the first things I did when I joined was to do a rotation with our operations team, our frontline support team. And the questions we were getting from our customers were very telling. You know, you'd often hear, hey, do you guys support subscriptions or do you support payouts? And I was like, of course we do, but there's no reason you should know that. So in that chapter was all about filling the void of content. And so we created a very much of a stacked rank list of content and prioritized it and went after just getting that out into the market. The second chapter was much more about getting launches under control. You know, mm. we weren't a very meeting friendly culture. So my weeks would be filled with undercover coffee walks with engineers <laughs> extracting what they were working on and, and when it might ship. And I created a secret product calendar based on that intel. But, you know, as we built up trust, it was a lot less pull and a lot more push. And I was getting that data up front. And we were able to expand what launches meant at Stripe. We experimented with a ton of different channels and that's about the time that we introduced the sales motion as well. So enabling the sold channel alongside supporting self-serve became super important. But we were still pretty launch focused. And, and that's about the time that Tanya joined. And we were really able to expand the role of marketing and PMM at the company very intentionally and methodically. So I'll kind of pop it over to her to talk about that next chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Take, I, I would, I'd love that. It's super interesting, but yeah, take me through that. So you obviously hit real product market fit and kind of cross the chasm into like a much more mainstream market. And then Tanya, you came in to sort of add some scale and process. It sounds like specifically to the product marketing team. What were your challenges when you came in? Well, I'd say also, you know, we, we not only had product market fit with a single product, but we had product market fit with a suite of products, really. It's not, it wasn't simply payment acceptance, but it was a whole portfolio of products for kind of moving money and payment infrastructure for, for internet businesses. So really explaining that platform story was important. Some of the other big challenges we were having or opportunities, I would say, was our customer, you know, we talked about the developer kind of starting up and getting started in the garage, our customer base by the time I joined had already evolved quite significantly in that we have enterprise buyers, we had business decision makers, we had customers that had entire teams of payments, you know, that were focused on payments. And so, you know, the original product marketing that we did, which was about how do you easily and simply accept payments online? The team that has hundreds of payment engineers does not want to know our customer that we that we are a simple tool. They want to know that we are a enterprise grade, robust tool. So how do we uh, have both of those messages, both the kind of simple messaging, but also the very nuanced enterprise grade messaging? How do we speak to everyone from the developer decision maker through to the business decision maker? How do we support a self-serve business and also a sold 
go to market motion. How do we grow from a primarily US centric business to a global platform? How do we go from a single product to a integrated suite? So it was a lot of amazing scaling challenges on several vectors, right? Global product stage. And that was kind of what I walked into and Krithika and the team that you know, she'd been building ha- had already been tackling it in such a fantastic way. I'd say she, she started, Krithika was talking a lot about launch and making sure that we were sort of launching and releasing these products in the right way. What we really started thinking about as I joined was really product marketing in sort of three chunks. So chunk number one was really deeply understanding the customer and these various personas that we're talking about, the various nuanced needs, the various competitive sets of this entire suite of products that we're working on and defining and working with product and engineering on what were we actually building for whom, how, how did we package this? How do you price it? How do you bring it to market? So all the sort of strategic input that I think good product marketing should be doing. Bucket two was this no, you know, continuing these launches that we were working on and really having artful positioning, thinking about the right uh, channels, creating marketing collateral that was just good and mm-hmm. keeping that, that bar that we'd been working on so much. And then bucket three was really thinking about we've launched all these products and we have the suite. How do we think about these as businesses and really driving ongoing growth and adoption of these products? What are the things that our various funnels need in order to, you know, operate more health, healthily? Uh, and so, kind of thinking about these three buckets and bringing a little bit more structure and aligning the team to drive that kind of work end to end. So that was, you know, the challenge that I kind of walked into and some of the sort of frameworks um, and and breaking down of what I think the function needed to do that we sort of brought in. Yeah, that is a lot of things that I think, you know, those, those challenges make a lot of sense, I guess, for the growth of where Stripe is at and kind of what you're running into. I think you're talking a little bit about like, team structure and kind of how you can approach this with some process. Are there any frameworks that or tools that, you know, specific tools or frameworks that are you applied to trying to understand the customer or to achieve launch excellence that really helped you at this time? So I think a lot of, especially if we think about each of these three buckets has its own set of things that we can do, right? The strategy kind of shaping what we build, the launch excellence and the growth and kind of running these things like businesses They each have frameworks and tools and all the things. I think one of the key things here is frameworks are a piece of it that I provided and how we break down from product marketing. But I think one of the keys for us has actually always been not applying frameworks and has been being more first principles oriented in how we how we operate. I think that's part of why we've been successful as a company overall is we're very much a first principles type of company. Let's challenge the norms. It's the business that we're in. We're in a business that has been a legacy business where we say, well, why was it done that way? So I think that's the danger with, with frameworks sometimes is that, or playbooks or things like that, is that they're often good, but they're sort of blunt tools that might not be fully appropriate for the specific context that you're in. And so I think it's really about first principles and the kinds of first principles, which maybe maybe is another way of saying framework really, but it's deeply understanding the customer space. So it's, it's what Krithika was talking about, where it's spending time with your users and trying to understand a segmentation for, okay, who are the kinds of cl- clusters and buckets of users? And you can use basic how big is the business? What's their role? What's their persona? You can do psychographic type of work. It really depends on the product area that, that you work on. But I think, you know, one of the first things I did when I, when I started my job was a bunch of win-loss interviews and just talking 
do customers like why did they pick us why did they not pick us what's going well what's not and myself getting very in the weeds of that so i had deep customer empathy uh, and i try to make sure that every pmm that joins the team spends a ton of time doing that kind of work and ongoing as well understanding customer csat understanding by product area what the csat is spending a ton of time on all of uh, with our sales team understanding what's working well what's not working well with our user facing teams so i think it's a lot of really deeply immersing yourself, trying competitive products, trying your own product, using your product. We call it dog fooding, right? Trying to be a customer who sets this thing up for the first time if you can. So it's a lot about empathy initially and deeply understanding and trying to trying to start segmenting your customers into these types of buckets. And I think it, you know, frameworks, tools, et cetera, like there are a bunch of them, but I think ultimately it just comes down to who's your customer, why, why are they picking you? Why are they not picking you? and um, trying to, to trying to build a view from, from there on bucket one. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me. It's interesting to hear that that's kind of in your DNA, that first principles approach and sort of challenging that legacy industry and space that you're in. I think the challenge is, is then how do you create that environment for the team to make sure that people can learn the process and it scales, but it sounds like you're just kind of immersing people in this customer experience, making sure that it's a part of everything and you've created that environment. Is that? Yeah, I think, I think process orientation. So, so a, I'm actually not very process oriented as a, as a, as a matter of principle in general, but I think the stage where I joined because we were scaling, that's not the time you actually, because you're not doing a lot of that work, right? We were basically just doing the bucket two work. It's not a process time. It's a learning time. And then it's a experimentation time. Mm -hmm. And when you're learning experiment and you're growing so fast, uh, process can be very helpful in specific areas where you have a known understanding of XYZ leads to, you know, ABC. But so much of where we were was we actually didn't know what worked and what didn't work. And we were very much in the learning phase and trying to kind of synthesize things. So it's kind of pre-process in a way. And it's more about inquisition, more about inquisition, inquiry and understanding and synthesis and, you know, really getting to like a a strategic understanding of what needed to be done. So I'd say it's, it's less of a focus on process and more of a focus on insight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's maybe some examples, but nobody's done what you've done before. Right. So like, I think trying to come in and and create some process that people are supposed to follow would totally have hurt you, but it's interesting to know that it's worked for you so well at the scale that you're at. What are your challenges like right now? Like what does product marketing look for you over the, over the next couple of years? Well, I actually think now is when, when a lot of the more of the process orientation comes Mm -hmm. in Marcus, because I mean, we were in triage mode, right? And then we were just basically launching stuff as it was coming down the pike. <laughs> and yeah. you're kind of like, thing being launched, launch it. Um, and you didn't have as much of the strategic grounding of why and which customer and you know how to package these things together. And so we've been investing a lot on that, more of that strategic foundation. And now it's, it is more about, we, we have scaled our team somewhat more, like bringing more process, bringing more sort of consistency into the kinds of questions and the ways that we approach things. So that's like a piece of it, but it's still, I think very much as I think about these three buckets, I think it's also, yeah, just having, just bringing more of that mindset of also growth and how do we think about ourselves as sort of, Uh, responsible for the business outcomes of each of our product areas. And that's something that I don't think all product marketing teams necessarily do. Mm -hmm. You you have different structures for different teams, but we feel pretty strongly that our PMMs should be aligned end to end on these product areas from everything from the customer research through to the like 
you know, are we hitting the revenue targets or whatever the specific KPIs are for a given product? And so um, focusing on that kind of revenue orientation, that growth mindset, partner, partnering with more of the rest of our marketing team and our sales team to drive this ongoing growth and adoption of our, of our various portfolio of products. That's something that I'm really excited about. And it comes, you know, earlier in my career, I was at a very early stage startup. And at that stage, product marketing and product development were sort of the same thing. And growth marketing, they were all sort of the same functions. You were kind of launching the thing, validating product, making it big, understanding the customer, running growth experiments to see which value props resonated and feeding that back into the product. It was super early stage. And I think uh, as you get bigger, you know, PMM specializes a little bit more and maybe you're doing more of the launch stuff and you're doing product strategy stuff, but sometimes you stop doing as much of the growth stuff and you sort of hand it off to a growth team. At some point, I think, as these products and you build a portfolio of products and you have more products and you need to start, people need to start thinking about accountability, not for just the business overall and revenue overall and, you know, kind of the demand gen and acquisition teams. You also need people horizontally thinking across all the different channels for each specific product. And that's where I think some of that growth orientation sort of comes back again. And so that to me is one of the big opportunities is like building more of that sort of kind of revenue. But yeah, I know it's, it's kind of how do we then move to yeah. bringing more of that revenue accountability yeah. to these products? Yeah. And you know, what I've seen too is that like as you get bigger and as teams specialize, right, they can kind of drift away from the product a little bit where it's like maybe yes. you have a great demand gen team or brand team or comms team and they're doing a great job of tapping into like the zeitgeist of your industry and what's going on but they don't know enough about like the details of the product and so we we do i think a good job of that at hubspot where we really try to empower the pmms to sort of own their product line and it's part of your job to make sure you are hitting that revenue number so that may be going to you know, those partner teams and getting in the weeds with them and giving them feedback and working with them on something that isn't product marketing, but it's really important for you to hit your, your revenue number. So that's I love exactly it. right. Cool. Yes. Yeah. And that's great for PMMs, right? Cause that, that puts you in a really strategic position. You're almost the little, you know, mini CMO of your product line. I think that's exactly right. And there's a time when, when there's, there's a sort of maturity when that makes the most sense. And it sounds like you all went sort of through a similar evolution where at some point it, it, it doesn't really make sense because you maybe don't even have a demand gen team or you don't have a whole platform of products or a suite of products, which I think HubSpot really does. And as you start building that out more and the PMMs are more embedded within these product areas, having the accountability and the responsibility for overseeing the revenue uh, of these businesses is really important. And I want to awesome. say that this is one of Tanya's superpowers. And when you talked about what it takes to empower the PMM team to act in this way, I think a lot of that is how she shows up. And that's very permission granting for the, the rest of her team to say, oh, yeah, well, we can do this, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. It is challenging as a PMM because you're going to be way over your skis and potentially in terms of the authority you have with those other teams, or maybe it's like the title of the people that you're working with in product. So that's huge. I think that's really important. All right. Lightning round, Krithika and Tanya. I would love to hear from you both in the last couple of minutes here. Maybe we start with Krithika. What is your advice to other marketing teams, product marketing teams in these industries that are hard to break through and maybe they're regulated, maybe the persona isn't as open to marketing. Do you have one piece of advice you can share for those folks? 
I think we touched on this throughout this conversation, but really building empathy for that audience is really important. And if unlike you, like you're not marketing a product to people like yourselves, it's really, really even more important and critical to build that understanding of the customer and what they look for, what are their watering holes and what's going to resonate. Yeah. And the, the language too, you mentioned that earlier, just like, you know, using their language. And I, I wanted to just mention that because I think it's a great point. How about you, Tanya? I think Krithika's point is very much the one that sort of, to me, makes the most sense. Understand your customer, understand your customer, understand your customer. Like that's, everything's grounded in that customer insight. That's how you build credibility internally as well when you have customer insight and then also how you do mm-hmm. better marketing. But I think my advice more for PMMs in general is don't worry about stepping on toes. I think the types of people that tend to go into product marketing are often people who kind of are, are empathetic and maybe don't always want to confront. I think it's actually very important in our function to be willing to challenge our product partners or challenge our sales partners. And I, and I say it with true love and empathy. I get along very well with my cross-functional partners, but I think if we're too in our swim lane and we don't reach out enough, uh, I think the work is just not going to be as effective or as good. Like there needs to be some healthy tension you know, very polite, very professional, very grounded in customer data. But I think be willing to speak up and go outside of your swim lanes because product marketing is a cross-functional discipline. Like you have to be able to do this to be effective. Totally agree. And like, if you're going to be in that strategic role where you're working with all of these different teams and acting as a little mini CMO, you, you really have to have a point of view and be, and feel confident about it and be persuasive about it. So I think that's okay. excellent advice. Tanya, thank you so much. I think uh, this is a pretty successful first three-person podcast, but appreciate the time. Thanks, Marcus. Thank you so much.